You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. It's Friday, 20 January. Japanese inflation came in at 4% earlier this morning, highest in over 30 years. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb studios in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, chatting with Sintembele Popela, investment analyst at FMB Wealth and Investment. The Willys update, keen to take it, the thoughts on that. It put the stock to a 52-week high. And how does it compare to ShopRite, one of her preferred in this space? Uh, Renzo Nkanzi, portfolio manager at Future Growth, uh, monetary policy Hawks, would 2023 be the year their influence fades? I also want to get a, an update, if there is, on the potential grey listing of South Africa. And then some thoughts from me on the EOH rights issue and potential recovery in the share. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from Fin24. Uh, Bird statue fetches 1.7 million rand as Musk auctions Twitter head office items. One way to get revenue, I guess. Business Day, Spa's fictitious loan reported to the audit regulator. PwC notified, notified the retailer that it believed one loan to be a reportable irregularity, which required the auditor to inform the uh, authorities. Morning markets, US was red S&P down three quarters of a percent. NASDAQ off one percent. Asia uh, is green, but <laughs> Sydney's up 0.05 percent and Tokyo is up 0.01 percent. Not very green. Commodities mostly green. Gold, 1,931. Brent, 86.49. Platinum's your red at 1,039. Palladium, 1,744. Rand, 17.25. Bitcoin, 21,100. Tencent is up 1.4% in the Hong Kong lunch break, while top 40 opening call looking for a 400-point green open. That's just over half a percent to the upside. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Turning now with uh, Simtumbele Bapello, investment analyst, FMB Wealth and Investment. Appreciate the early morning time. We got the Woolies trading update uh, yesterday. The market liked it. Stock up 4.6%. There's a lot of base effect. There's a lot of moving parts in terms of discontinued, and that's obviously the David Jones. What was your take on on, on the Woolies update, which, which kind of lifted the whole sector in truth? Morning, Simon. So, yeah, it was um, quite a, a robust update. As you mentioned, the share price, uh, you know, moved quite strongly from the, from the numbers. And it was really just, you know, that top and bottom line growth that, I mean, just easily, you know, outpaced expectations. Um, so, yeah, just to, to speak on what you said about the, you know, the, the, the base effects there, some of, you know, the, the reporting period was, um, not comparable to the mm. to the previous year because of you know the lockdowns in Australia that we saw, um, but of course you know since the removal of those restrictions, um, that region the the foot traffic has improved quite notably, which I think was one of the the highlights uh, from the results as well. You know, 
they were even they even were able to take shape back from you know online sales in that region um as people just returned back to brick and mortar stores but um maybe back to the group level it was interesting to see you know sales during the last six weeks of the period uh the portion that is comparable you know that came in also ahead of expectations um and really it was you know the strong black friday and the festive season trading that you know was coming through um um, during that period. Um, I think more specifically there, we saw further momentum in the SA business, mm-hmm. uh, fashion, beauty, and home. You know, they benefited from uh, the focus on full price sales, uh, which was very supportive for margins. Um, although the, the, the food business was, you know, supported by uh, just an enhanced consumer value proposition. Um, and I mean, it's all against a backdrop of a tougher load shedding um, environment, which I think is something not to overlook with these results as they're coming through um, just this week and, and, and the next. But yeah, you know, the overall, it was a good set of results. The offshore business, as I already mentioned, Australia, but also New Zealand, they performed well. Uh, both regions seeing double digit, double digits uh, top line growth. Um, and, you know, the, the sale of David Jones uh, being expected to be completed, um, you know, that also I think is it, it, it's been quite a tough, mm-hmm. what, almost eight years now since they bought that business. So, um, you know, being able to uncouple from that provides, of course, better focus on other parts of the business for Woody's. And so, you know, um, yeah, I think that was a, also another positive in the numbers. Yeah, and I take your point in tough, although tough might be the polite way of saying it, but we are a polite show, so we will take that. If we if we sort of correspond <laughs> that to, to ShopRite, ShopRite I know, a, a, a food retailer you already like. There's some nuanced differences. ShopRite is mostly food. Willie's a little bit mm. broader than that. I mean, d- d- does and we'll get a ShopRite update probably next week for the, 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 the trading period. Mm. I mean, d- does this compare to ShopRite or is ShopRite still just the, the head and shoulders better? So, uh, so yeah, I think Woody's has been doing quite a, a bit around pricing, um, which I think will help them in terms of um, just on the competitive front, you know, maintaining share somewhat. But yeah, I think the ShopRite machine is a different value proposition altogether. I don't think Woody's, you know, goes after ShopRite's lunch, so to speak. If anything, in this kind of environment, down trading, you know, is likely to see the opposite happen. Um, and so that's one of the strengths of, you know, the ShopRite checkers model. I think ShopRite, you know, they've, They've they've just been ahead of the game in terms of monetizing digital and the alternative revenue stream opportunities. And, mm. you know, they've been consecutively gaining market share and, you know, they're very quick in terms of, you know, what works and what doesn't work. They're very, I think, the, 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 they're strategically very agile. So um, I think that's that's something that works and that's something that you, you kind of have to be right, given this kind of macro environment that, you know, these retailers are operating in. Yeah, I, I take that point. And that, that is, I mean, ShopRite always just seems to be ahead of the curve. And 6060, which everyone's talked about a lot, is, is a great indication mm. of just how ahead of the curve. And of course, now they're moving into clothing, into pets, all of those bits. Uh, still, yeah, I agree with your takes there. We'll leave it there. Smutabela Popella, Investment Analyst, FMB Wealth and Investments. Appreciate the early morning time. Hear that? Nothing. Your money can do more when it blocks out the noise as hard as it is these days. When you invest in the Standler Balanced Cautious Fund, we manage the risks so that you can see stable inflation-beating returns through market cycles. Invest with more certainty at standler.com forward slash more. Standler is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager.
MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. I'm chatting with uh, Renzo Mkunzi. He's a portfolio manager at Future Growth. Renzo, appreciate the time today. I think it's fair to say that from the monetary policy perspective, hawks have pretty much ruled the roost last year. Things could start easing this year. Inflation is coming back a bit locally and globally. Is it, is it fair to say that, that inflation has mostly peaked in, in, in developed economies and locally in South Africa? Hi, Simon. Thanks for being on the line. I think it is fair to say inflation has peaked. Domestically, we saw that peak at about 7.8% mid last year. Perhaps the developed market slightly behind in terms of the peaks, but in the last quarter of, of last year, we have a fair degree of comfort that we, we have seen peaks in inflation uh, globally and the inflation should tail off in this year. As far as the continuation of rate hikes go. Our view is there's a little bit more to come, both domestically and and globally, but more so where real policy rates are and real rates are just inflation. The developed world is is quite far behind where South Africa is in terms of that real policy rate. So in in our view, regardless of inflation falling over a little bit, we still think that uh, there is some hiking to come from global central banks. Yeah, it's certainly some hiking to go. And, and those, those, those DM rates, I mean, they've still got some upside to go. And then likely higher for longer. I mean, inflation is coming down, but, but targets, and I'm thinking the U.S. Fed target 2%, those inflation targets are they still a ways away. Yes, certainly. Uh, relative to target rates, inflation is is well above those rates at the moment. If you consider the U.S.'s target inflation rate is about 2%, as is the Eurozone's. Uh, spot inflation rates are well in excess of that. The U.S. last inflation read in terms of consumer prices was about 6.5%. Your area stuck at about 10%. So in, in our estimation, still a long way away from target rates. And by consequence, we expect monetary policy rates to to remain elevated for some time to come. You mentioned Europe, uh, the UK as well. I mean, things not so sunny there. They're they're inflation and and they've got issues. I mean, the the Ukraine war most notable and, of course, the energy concerns, although a warmer winter helped with that. But but the the, the outlook there perhaps less sunny than, 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 for example, the US. Indeed. I think you touched on the concerns as far as the euro area and the UK are concerned. And their geograph- geographical proximity to Russia and Ukraine obviously doesn't help, as doesn't the, the energy inflation that they're experiencing, perhaps more so than, than other areas. So euro area, we do have some concerns around the growth trajectory this year, as well as the slowness in terms of the normalization of, of rates. And by consequence, you, you see that inflation there is slightly higher. And we, we, we are concerned about the, the slowness of the normalization there relative to the rest of the developed world. What, what about risks of, of, of stagflation? I had a couple of conversations with commentators uh, last year. The, the general consensus was that yeah, no one absolutely wants stagflation. The risks were probably fairly low. Is that still a fair comment? In our assessment, those risks have escalated somewhat. Um, our sense for 2023 is you have this rolling over of inflation, as we discussed. Mm-hmm. But growth as well is rolling over post the COVID rebound and post some buoyancy last year. So our concern is although inflation is rolling over, um, growth seems to be slowing more so than inflation. And in this world where monetary policy rates need to normalize to combat inflation, you've got this complexity that's brought about by 
uh, weaker growth, which is expected in, in 2023. So in our assessment, stagflation is, is very much still topical and a risk for the developed world in, in 2023. Bringing it home, one of the risks to our to our currency and, and, and hence potentially inflation is the Financial Action Task Force. Uh, they had a couple of meetings last year. They've got a plenary meeting uh, next month. We are going to be on, on the agenda. Have you got any sort of sense of, of the likelihood of a grey listing for South Africa and the potential implications? Yeah, I think our sense is there's meaningful risk of, of grey listing next year. And it's really brought about by legislative concerns domestically where we haven't been as strong as we perhaps should be in terms of anti-money laundering and terrorist finance. And then also the policing and enforcement thereof. So on the legislative side, we've certainly seen some progress being made, but on the policing and enforcement side, we still have some concerns that uh, domestically we're not where we should be as far as the requirements from the Financial Action Task Force. So our sense is that grey listing risk is, is real. And in February this year, as you mentioned, there is a plenary sitting and South Africa will be discussed. And we, we think there's there's significant risk that South Africa can be, can be grey listed. As far as the implications go, Simon, I think a little bit more challenging. There's, there's not great precedent for a country like South Africa as far as grey listing is concerned. The risk would be on foreign direct investment primarily. Um, but as I mentioned, there's there's no great precedent and we're a little bit uncertain as to the consequences. Yeah, it won't be nice. It won't be like, uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to find out almost in real time. Uh, local bonds, uh, 2022, certainly compared to equity, not a bad year for, for local bonds. Expectations for 2023 in terms of, of uh, uh, the local bond market? Yeah, I think as we spoke about earlier, South Africa's real policy rate is, is good and that should be supportive in our estimation for bonds this year. So as you mentioned, relative to equity, last year was not bad for bonds. Uh, this year, we expect a little bit more of the same. Um, as far as risks go, we've spoken about the stagflation risk. I think that's a prominent risk mm-hmm. into 2023 for local bonds, as is South Africa's fiscal situation, um, where we, or Treasury at least, expect some level of fiscal consolidation, uh, where perhaps is not as enthused as they are on, on the prospects for the local fiscus, and that should add some risks to, to bonds into 2023 in our assessment. Leave it there. That's uh, Renzo Mkizi. He is portfolio manager at Future Growth. Appreciate the time. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stan Lib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. So EOH uh, announced their rights issue yesterday. Um, I'm looking at the chart right now, and it, it's an it's an absolute horror. Back in what 2015, around then, it was 180 rand. Uh, it got to just short of that again. 
in 2015-2018, uh, yesterday closed at 3 rand a share. That is back at 20, 2004 levels. On to the rights issue. So basically they've got a whole bunch of debt. They need to clear it down to make the, the, the business operational. They've cleared out a lot, but they still need some cash. Uh, the rights issue is for every 100 shares you hold, you will get 227 rights. This enables you to buy the new shares at 1 rand 30 per share. On the surface, a nice cheap price, but of course, as soon as that becomes effective, the existing EOH share will fall. If you're holding at the close of business on the 24th, which is Tuesday next week, you will get those EOH rights. They will appear in your account. They will have a code EOHN, and you could either say to your broker, cool, I want to use them and buy those new shares at one round 30, and you pay the 130 per one that you've got, or you can go to market and sell them and see what someone might give you for that. That, of course, will be dilutive. It means you will hold a smaller slice. The question is, is it enough? I mean, Stephen von Collier, as CEO, has, has done a, a really good job in terms of cleaning up not just the businesses, but also the culture that seems to exist there, uh, exiting a number of businesses, uh, getting rid of debt, being perfectly honest around the, the issues and, and, and what went very, very wrong. Remember, there are court cases against uh, some of the previous uh, execs for a couple of billion. I mean, will that ever pay out? I don't think so. I mean, at this point, that's worth more than the company. So this capital raise should be enough and should be the last. We we saw NAMPAC uh, unable to do their capital raise earlier in the week. Well, what they did was they cancelled the meeting. They obviously didn't have shareholder support. So this should be enough money. This does pay down the debt. It does get EOH back to a place where it is now a, I suppose you could say, a viable business. The important point is, is that is it now a viable investment? That's what everyone's been asking me and, and, and tweeting me and saying, is there something here? It is still going to be a long road back, a long road back to significant uh, profitability, uh, a long road back to good share price growth. And forget that 180 rand. That was a different EOH. They are not comparable by any stretch. Perhaps the important part, though, is what Wayne McCurry always reminds us, is markets have memories. There are a lot of people who have invested in EOH and lost a vast amount of money, both private clients and, and professional asset managers, and they're going to remember that, and they're not going to want to get back in. It's also a market cap of just over half a billion rand makes it a, a proper small cap, and a lot of stocks, a lot of investors just can't go into that space because of their mandate. So I think the rights issue it's going to be painful, huge discount, massively dilutive, but it does get EOH on a sound footing. In terms of the share price, that could take a whole lot longer. And that's the question we're asking on our LinkedIn and Twitter today. What do you think of the EOH rights issue? What do you think of its investment uh, prospects after this rights issue? Let us know. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and Twitter. <laughs> That's it for today. We were chatting with Carmen Mepperoni uh, from uh, uh, Sunlum Investments yesterday. Uh, as Richmond uh, put out a trading update uh, and was trading at all-time highs, the trading update, I mean, mostly very good. A little bit weak in China, a little bit of a weaker sort of uh, last quarter, or third quarter, uh, as Carmen pointed out. But broadly, not a bad update. And the key thing that we have learned about these luxury retailers uh, is that rich people are resilient, let's say, to tough conditions. They're not immune 
immune, but certainly resilient. We asked you if you were holding, Richmond. Uh, almost half of you, about 44 or 45% said no, that you have missed Richmond. A third of you were saying you're absolutely loving it. A fifth get Richmond from their top 40 ETF, where it's about 18 or 19% of that ETF, while the rest, a very small percentage, three odd percent, actually prefer offshore luxury. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the Money Web website and the app 6 30 a.m. podcast just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is Money Web Now. We'll chat again Monday. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.